Welcome back to Caracast, the podcast from Carasoft, the trusted government IT solutions provider. Subscribe to get the latest technology updates in the public sector. I'm Anthony Jimenez, your host from the Carasoft production team. On behalf of GovExec and Carasoft, we would like to welcome you to today's podcast focused around FedRAMP. This session myth busts the process to outline the best practices agencies and industry partners can follow, provide tangible solutions to the more complicated elements of FedRAMP authorization, and mitigate roadblocks and collaboration opportunities. The topic today is unpacking sponsorships, uh, specifically working with agencies on sponsoring FedRAMP authorizations. And I'm very happy to have this group of panelists here uh, today. We have Matt Topper, who is president and solutions catalyst for Uber Ether. Sitting in the middle, we have Karen Lawton, who is with Coal Fire as executive vice president, and then Martin Rieger, chief solutions officer of Stack Armor, uh, here immediately to my left. And thanks all three of you to being here today. And um, and obviously, with with me as the the moderator of this, rather than Ryan Hosling from um, from GSA, we can take the conversation a little bit different direction. Um, you know, we're we're not going to we're not going to talk about government behind their back. We're going to talk about it in a constructive way. Of, of how to um, move these partnerships forward. Uh, but I do think there are conversations we can have that don't require having that GSA perspective on, on the stage and get into what industry partners really need to be aware of going into this process and, and how maybe we can make it work a little bit better. So let's start with just a little bit about your roles. If you can talk just about your role specifically and what role your organization plays in moving FedRAMP authorizations forward. And Matt, maybe we'll start with you on that. Sure. So um, we're both a cloud service provider as well as a ATO accelerator platform. So we took the hard path of going through the DISA IL-5 process first, um, which Ryan just told me last week, only 5% of all ATOs have taken that terrible Mm -hmm. first path. And so my role as president of the company, uh, we have an identity and access management platform that brings together a lot of the zero trust concepts but then also helps vendors get their products to FedRAMP faster, right? You all are very good at building your own software and delivering your right, core features and capabilities, but you don't know how to build those federal boundaries and how to actually get your software running within those buckets, and we help you accelerate that and then continue to operate that for you long-term. Great, thank you. And, and Karen, Coalfire occupies a very different part of that ecosystem. Talk a little bit about that. Um, Well, it's not so different. We are probably most well known for being a third party assessment organization, but we also have the part of the organization that I oversee, which is our advisory practice. And so we really help try to also accelerate the path to authorization through. um, So I oversee our compliance advisory team who helps with the uh, laborious process of all of the documentation that goes along with FedRAMP as as well as, uh, you know, we've got our engineering team who helps build out FedRAMP and uh, DOD compliant environments. Um, And then we have a managed services team who then manages uh, that environment. As you know, there's many continuous monitoring requirements that um, come along with FedRAMP. So the fund doesn't stop after authorization. (laughs) It continues on forever and ever in perpetuity. So uh, we help with that process as well. Very good. And and Martin, talk a little bit about Stock Armor and the role that you play. Sure. Um, So we are a FedRAMP accelerator. Uh, We have a package solution that includes all of the architecture and engineering necessary to take uh, commercial cloud service providers through the process uh, that also includes documentation and managed security services for all the continuous monitoring activities. So basically it's end-to-end advisory 
in addition to continuous monitoring. Good. And FedRAMP program's been around for a long time and ran into to Lisa Schlosser here today, who was in the room when it was being con uh, conceived. And the program certainly evolved in, in lots of ways, but it seems like there's still maybe some, uh, you know, some misunderstandings or, or myths about the structure of it that might have applied seven, eight years ago and really are, are a little bit different now. And I wonder if you could, you know, if there was one myth you wanted to bust in this, where, where would we start? And Karen, we'll start with you. So I would say from, from an agency perspective, I think there's a lot of myths out there about what it means to be an agency sponsor. A lot of people come from like a FISMA background when it comes to compliance. So they're used to so much of the burden being on the agency resources themselves, as far as they're the ones that are responsible for the assessments. They're the ones that are responsible for continuous monitoring and plan of action and milestone management. You know, And with FedRAMP, the beauty of it is the reciprocity. So as a FedRAMP, sponsor, yes, you're first. So you're the first one that's going to um, be the one reviewing the, the package. And by that, I mean, at the end of the day, it's no different than FISMA from the, from the perspective of you're accepting risk on behalf of your agency. The cloud service provider really takes on the burden of implementing the controls, of hiring a third-party assessment organization to assess um, and those are like the third party assessment organization. Those are accredited organizations. They grow, coal fire has gone through a vigorous process in order to maintain that designation. Um, and so these are accredited by the government to be able to perform these assessments. So when they are doing um, the assessment, not only are they recommending an authorization or not, and, uh, but also it's going through FedRAMP PMO review. And if you're going the joint authorization board process, you're going through review with three different agencies with DOD, DHS, and GSA. So when you're taking that responsibility of being an agency sponsor, all you're doing is reviewing the package and saying, yeah, and by that I mean the SAP, or the, sorry, I'll stop talking in acronyms, although I feel like everybody knows them at this point in this room, but it's Security Assessment Plan, Security Assessment Report, and the Plan of Action and Milestones, and you're determining whether the level of risk is um, acceptable for your organization, and then you're signing a piece of paper. That's all an agency sponsor has to do, and guess what? You don't have any more responsibility than the next agency that comes after it because they're going to have to do the exact same thing. So I think there's this myth out there that this is going to be a huge resource burden on the agencies. And, uh, and it's really not, because even in the continuous monitoring process, you're the same thing as you would be doing for FISMA as far as you'd be reviewing the monthly POAM. And you'd be, again, make, making sure that that cloud service provider is maintaining the level of compliance that is comfortable for your, your agency. Um, and then on top of that, and I'll stop, um, but on top of that, um, the 3PAO is also going to be assessing um, the cloud service that you are leveraging um, on an annual basis. So they're also making sure that the CSP is keeping their I's dotted and their T's crossed. So. Mm -hmm. Really, the burden is on the cloud service provider, and you just get to come in, make sure that that the risk is good, and then you get to leverage that service. Matt, does that does that square with your take on things? Are you comfortable with the burden that just got laid on you? <laughs> As a CSP, I don't get a choice, right? If I want to play, I have got to yeah. carry the burden with me. But there is a huge amount, right? Especially with the FISMA processes that a lot of the government customers are used to internally. It's burdensome. Right? And there's a lot of back and forth rules that change. And really in FedRAMP, that's not their problem anymore. They're just reviewing that final risk. And one of the more recent changes is right, when they allowed to, it to be a board 
after authorization, as more agencies come on board, it's not just that one government person's belly button that's accountable anymore, because that was a lot of the government risk concern was, well, if I'm the first one to sign up, anyone else who signs up, I have to carry their risk too. And now my poems get really, like, I don't know that I'm really set to do this. But when we've seen more other, as the other agencies sign up, bringing them to that kind of joint monthly poem review meeting and them having another peer in the room that goes, oh no, we do that, like that's perfectly fine versus the, a lot of times we would see sponsors just freeze because they didn't, right, they didn't know like a specific technology and a specific, specific reason and they're trusting us and the 3PAO to be like, yeah, that's what we think, but mm -hmm. it's still their belly button. Yeah. And that has really, I think, in the last two years changed a lot of, at least the sponsors we work with, feelings of like, it's not all mine to carry anymore. And uh, Martin, is that, is that your myth that you want to bust as well, or do you have a different angle on it? I'm a little bit different. I, I think, you know, they're 100% spot on, but when it comes to who that agency is, because it's a partnership, right? And one of the things we kind of tell folks is FedRAMP's a little different because it's not an us versus them, right? You've got auditors coming in. Auditors are a partner. Agencies are a partner. The PMO is a partner. So... It's, it's one big partnership. We're all working together to get that service available to the government so they have the tools, the technology, and the systems that they need. Now, not every agency can actually take a company through FedRAMP or has an authorizing official. So that, that's kind of part one. So when you have one, it is a strategic partnership in which case, you know, there may be risk acceptance components after they review the SAP, the SAR, and the POM. So I'm acronyming. But <laughs> as far as that goes, risk acceptance is a key component to this, right? So from that perspective, when it, when it comes to sponsorship, having an agency who has been through the process mm -hmm. and understands it or even knows how to do it is a critical, critical step. You know, Karen, you mentioned that, um, you know, the burden falls elsewhere and that the, you know, if, if an agency is the sponsor, they're not, you know, they're not locked into this workload for life. But what makes for a good, good agency? Because clearly you have to have an authorizing official. There's uh, certain things. But you don't identify likely agency sponsors or ones that would be well-suited to a particular project just by kind of you know, throwing a dart at the agency list. What's, what kind of criteria does Coalfire recommend for, for sort of identifying the right partnerships to pursue there? Yeah, I mean, obviously, first and foremost, is is there a business need within that agency to leverage your cloud service would be step number one. So usually when we're working with a cloud service provider, you know, a lot of that front part of our support that we're providing is helping them build that business case. And by that, you know, you can go out on GovWin and determine, are there any RFP? I mean, it's the worst tool on the planet. But, um, but you know, I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with it. It's so fun to navigate. But, um, you know, <laughs> You could go out there and, uh, um, and see if there are any RFPs for the type of service that it is that you provide. And, uh, and nine times out of 10, there's something out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, like, I think finding out what the demand is for your service is step mm -hmm. number one for any, any market that you're entering. The government is no different. And uh, so that's usually where we'll start. And then from there, um, once we've established like which agencies to target, then it's just a matter of building relationships within those agencies. And FedRAMP PMO has an agency li 
liaison process. So that's kind of what Ryan oversees, mm -hmm. who is supposed to be here. But he, they have agency liaisons that are, if you are dealing with an agency who's never been through the FedRAMP process, that they are there to help. Um, so they are there to help educate the agency on what the process is um, and then help them um, take take you through it. But then that's also what we're here for, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm sure all of our organizations are also here to help you have those conversations with agencies and that helps as well with, with navigating that process. Okay, and Martin, what about you? What's, uh, you know, what has been your criteria in, in sort of looking for or, or recommending uh, places to start for the sponsorship conversation? Yeah, so when it, when it comes to that, I mean, there's, there's kind of that front runner, which is to say RFP contract award, um, immediate need, right, for the cloud service. Then there is um, what I would say is the most common case, which is a, a CSP who has a product that's deployed on-prem throughout X number of agencies. And then, you know, they have that light bulb moment. And they're like, oh, we put it in the cloud and we can sell it to everybody, right? So, you know, when, when that occurs, but they don't already have a sponsor, you know, then there's that kind of next step of saying, okay, of all the agencies we're supporting, which one is the most likely to take us on board and who would be our partner and kind of engage them in that approach. The last, uh, you know, Matt talked about the fact that he went through DISA, did an IL-5. Mm -hmm. um, well, you know, on the federal side, you have the JAB and then you have agencies. So JAB not requiring a sponsorship, um, ultimately they really are your sponsor at that point with no skin in the game. But when it comes to the process of, uh, I was gonna use the term targeting agencies, but selecting an agency mm -hmm. to go through this with, it, it really does come down to that relationship. There's an existing business relationship and then things like executive orders, for example, where new technologies and solutions are being demanded by the government, but there's no FedRAMP authorization for right. anything like that. That is, is a situation we see more lately than years before where the agencies who are demanding it or have that funding up front become better prospects in terms of seeking sponsorship. And Matt, with Uber Ether, I'm not asking you to you know, uh, name agencies, although you certainly can if you, you want, but how many agencies um, have you worked with or explored working with uh, for, for FedRAMP sponsorships and yeah, how'd you go so, about selecting? So we were in an interesting spot before we went down our FedRAMP journey. We were more a professional services firm that worked with identity and access management, right? Amazon moving 400 apps out of DHS into Amazon Web Services, first application deployed at C2S on the IC side. So we had longstanding relationships with a lot of our customers mm -hmm. and the truth was their challenge is, right, every three to five years, they have a contract turnover. And the people operating and managing those systems come in brand new. And we all know the problem with lowest bidder contracts and how many times the government is forced into those, right, when you've got something as critical as identity and access management, cloud security offerings, like, that turnover kills them, right? And they don't have the trust of those people to stay. And when we said, hey, if we were to operate this prepackaged together on your behalf, they went, yes, please, in a minute. Mm -hmm. And we said, we'll operate the whole platform side. You can bring whatever integrator to come on and build on top, but at least you know you'll have the consistency of the same rules applied over and over and over again. And mm -hmm. none of our previous customers are like, oh, we don't need that, right? They very much go, 
that makes a ton of sense. And most of the time it saves them money too, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which then they can actually focus on their mission rather than patching and upgrading servers right. out of that same budget. Yeah. Okay. So I want to sort of flip the question. You, know, you identified several of the, the things to look for and what makes for a good partner. Are there, are there red flags and runaway signs of, you know, that if uh, that are a clear indicator that that agency may be wonderful at many things, but it's not the right sponsor or partner for you? Um, I'll jump in. Okay. First. Sure. <laughs> Take that grenade for all of us. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to answer this in 47 parts. So <laughs> basically, um, the, the, the most common response that CSPs who don't have one here is, well, I'll sponsor you when you get a sponsor, right? Which would saying, I'll be number two, mm -hmm. right? Um, but in terms of red flags and warning signs are, you know, Karen mentioned the 3PAO aspect. You've got a third-party accredited organization who is there for the purpose of interviewing, examining, testing artifacts, going through and validating and verifying everything that Matt's done, right? When the agencies get involved to a degree that, that almost supersedes that, where they kind of execute their own sort of IVMV independent validation and verification, um, that extends that time frame out, or when the agencies want uh, what we call the baseline, which is that, that core uh, service delivery that every customer is going to get, deviated so much that when you have to go to the next customer, you almost have to redesign or completely uplift the baseline. Mm -hmm. Those are kind of what I would say are huge issues and huge red flags that cost time, money, effort, to the point where what should have taken, say, six months now takes 12 to 18. Mm -hmm. no, okay. I, I think you pretty much nailed it. Um, or if they don't return your calls. And <laughs> say that's a bad sign. Yeah. Matt, anything you want to add there? Besides hanging out in front with binoculars from their house, yeah, yeah. they yeah. get upset. Yeah. But um, I think the only other thing I will add is, right, even though it's an agency sponsoring you, it's also a person. And making sure that that person is going to be there, right? Because mm -hmm. this is, no matter what, going to be a 6, 12, 18-month process to continue and carry through. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm here for three more months, and then I'm going to get promoted and move to a different division, and this isn't my mission anymore. Well, in three months, you're going to be searching all over again yeah. and in a really bad spot, begging to get someone to re-sponsor you to continue through the process. So make sure that like they're in it, they're in it for the mission, and they're going to be there for the long term because mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of those get yeah. stopped. Right, especially when it might be a yeah, this should take nine months, and it drags to fifteen. Mm -hmm. Right, and they're looking for their next promotion, and leaving it, it just gets hard. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, so I like clearly remember uh, moderating a conversation with with federal officials, and this is several years ago when there were only a handful of, of sponsoring agencies, and and what they said at that time was almost the exact opposite of what you said at the beginning, Karen. Of like, hey, if you're going to sponsor, like, you need to know the, you know, the getting the authorization is just the beginning. Like, this is this is a marriage, and you need to um, to work on it. Is has the, you know, has the the you know the allocation of the of the burdens responsibilities evolved over time? Is that you know, do you think that's a misunderstanding, or is it just you know, agencies see things differently than than I the industry side? I think that that feeds into the myth, right? Yeah. Like they, they obviously believe that, which is why they're so hesitant to get in. Um, 
into the process. But um, again, a lot of most of what I spend my time doing is educating, educating, um, you know, agencies, educating our customers on truly what the process is and and exactly all. And I think, too, like if 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 Ryan were here, he would be saying it's not a sponsor. Yeah. You know, and, and sponsor indicates that there is some sort of higher level of responsibility because you're the first. But really, at the end of the day, they're an agency partner. Mm-hmm. They're partnering with you to shepherd you through the process so that they can leverage your cloud service. And so if you go into the conversation with them saying, hey, we're looking for a partner versus we're looking for a sponsor, I think you'll find that they are much more open to the conversation. And then it's just a matter of really helping them understand, like, you know, here's the racy, like, this is what it is that we expect of you. And this is what you can expect from us and our three PAO. And, uh, and that really does kind of crack the door open, at least. Now, you just started to, to answer this next question, but I want to put it explicitly to all three of you. What, what can the, um, uh, the industry partners do to um, prepare for that conversation with agencies, to, to go into it in a way that's going to reassure them that we've got our ducks in a row, this is not a huge lift on you, to, to help bust down that myth in the one-on-one conversations. What are the best practices that um, either you're doing yourselves or you work with your customers uh, to do to make sure that um, those potential sponsors aren't running away because they think it's way too much work? Yeah, I think from from my perspective, one of the first things when I talk with people is, hey, if you're really struggling to find an agency to, you know, break through that barrier, then, you know, sometimes it might make sense to start with just pursuing FedRAMP ready, because Mm -hmm. then you're showing them that you're seriously committed to meeting the FedRAMP requirements. It also gets you listed in the marketplace if you actually achieve FedRAMP ready before you have a sponsor. Um, And sometimes them just because... There's a lot of CSPs that go, hey, I want you to be my FedRAMP sponsor, and they haven't even like lifted a finger yet to meet the requirements. And, uh, and so if I'm an agency, I'm going to be like, yeah, you're probably like two, three years away. Like, talk to me when you're serious. Mm-hmm. Whereas like FedRAMP Ready, you're showing I'm meeting all of the federal mandates. I'm meeting the most critical FedRAMP requirements. A 3PAO has attested that I'm FedRAMP Ready. And so I can tell, hey, you're serious about, uh, about FedRAMP. Now I'm interested. So mm-hmm. sometimes that's a really good first step to get started with the conversation. Martin and then Matt. Yeah, so leading up to that FedRAMP ready approach, having an advisor, right, which is um, skilled and experienced and and knowledgeable in FedRAMP, whether that's a a 3PO advisor or an accelerator who can show and and demonstrate, you know, that past performance of the ability to get folks through FedRAMP, right? Mm -hmm. That goes a long way with the agencies, but also having the 3PO assessor lined up as well to say, we have an advisor, we have an assessor, in addition to hosting in an environment that if it's not your own, for example, a FedRAMP infrastructure like AWS or Google or Azure, lends to a lot of the credibility. And, and then additionally, if there is a past performance from FISMA, right? That's another good demonstration is any other cybersecurity certifications that lend to your pedigree, whether that's ISO or SOC 2 or other things like that, to say you are committed to this goes a long way with agencies. Yeah, I think Martin hit it out of the park, right? It's really showing that you've got your trifecta set up. You've got your organization, you've got your advisor who's done it 47 million times before at this level in similar situations, whether it's healthcare or verticals or right, software platforms, 
and then your 3PAO to do the assessment. And being able to go to those customers and say, hey, we run this today on AWS. We've already done the gap analysis to put this into GovCloud. Our advisors have gone through and done an initial checkout and taking our software bill of materials, running it through the CBE checkers to say, our commercial offering, this is what it looks like with us, without us even having started. This is where the gap analysis is to go to FedRAMP. And these are the products we've already validated that are going to fill those gaps. We're ready. Let's go. You have a mission to deliver. We've already done our work. Help us get you to the finish line on your side mm-hmm. and yeah, really right. deliver that value. And one, one thing I wanted to add is, is um, we talked about RFPs and contract award and, and how that sort of relates back to it. But if it's not in the contract or it isn't included, you know, for example, there's a requirement that the solution must be FedRAMPed or within a certain time frame, they don't always say they're going to sponsor it, right? So getting that in writing when you are in that negotiation stage, make sure it's in there that they need to sponsor you. It happens more often than you think where agencies back out or say, whoa, I didn't say I was going to do that. I just said you need to do that. So that's a, that's a critical misstep that probably one in 10 make. Okay. You, know, you just mentioned the, you know, the fact that if it's written into the contract or it's in the acquisition, you know, that's a good a sign of seriousness, a sign of opportunity. Does the fact that FedRAMP is now law, has that changed the conversation at all? Or is that really, are, are the real impacts of that landing elsewhere? Yeah, it takes longer now. <laughs> so um, it, 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 it's, it's because they've grown the team and they're getting more people up to speed. So you have to slow down before you accelerate okay. and it will get better. We get to do this, right? That's what I was going to say. Think Ryan will send you the thank you note later. Yes. <laughs> um, so, from my perspective, it has helped things greatly with the agencies, but not necessarily with the PMO and the JAB side of the house. Mm-hmm. We've seen, I would just say, probably triple what we're used to seeing in terms of CSPs who are interested and now want to go through FedRAMP. I think the law had an effect. Come January, it was felt big time. Mm-hmm. The website is faster. Um, I will say that. That was a really painful, painful thing before the law was passed. So, you know, I do think it puts a little it, a little more teeth behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think now, you know, the cloud service providers are taking it a little more seriously before. And agencies are too. Like agencies were like, I already gave my ATO. I don't need to go through the FedRAMP program. And so I think now there's just a little more teeth behind, um, you know, having to go through the FedRAMP process as mm-hmm. an agency if you want to leverage a cloud service. And uh, I would say that's the biggest change we've seen. I'd like to, I mean, it's, it's slow, right. but I think that the ideas are there and I love that they started the advisory council so they can really hear like the perspectives of three PAOs and cloud mm-hmm. service providers and agencies and helping to do, you know, feel our pain and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and hopefully make some changes to shorten the review process and, uh, and get you guys into the marketplace much faster. Excellent. Yeah. Matt, you just to, to defend the PMO a little bit, because, well, I still have to finish an assessment in the next <laughs> two weeks, so I'm just buttering up as much as I can. But um, talking to Ryan last week, right, all of last year, Federal saw four highs. Four. This year so far, they've seen 18. Right. And that's a lot of that has been because of the FedRAM, like making it law that you have to do this now. And it's more and more of those workloads that were on premise are now moving into a cloud environment that have to operate at a FISMA high. Mm -hmm. So right as it comes out, it becomes a FedRAM high. And 
we all know a high takes a lot longer and has a lot more right. due diligence put against it. So a little bit of defense on their Absolutely. part. But. Absolutely. <laughs> but you actually, I think you touched on something we, we didn't expand on. And, and to, his, to his credit, the 18 he's talking about, it's 18 out of 52, right? There's only 52 high provisionals. But going back to sponsorship, from a low, moderate, or high perspective, the willingness to sponsor moderate is much greater because of the perception around, oh, well, it's less work for me. You know, it's about 100 less controls. I, I don't have to do as much. However, everybody wants high at this moment because it's the highest bar, because of executive orders, because of, but not every system should be FedRAMP high, right? Mm -hmm. Now, that's a consideration when seeking sponsorship and looking at the baseline and, and what type of data are you actually going to be processing, storing, or transmitting. That is a big, big part of the sponsorship piece because there are agencies who will say, yep, I will sponsor you at moderate, but not at high, right? So those types of things are other considerations. Great. So just a heads up to the audience. In a minute, we're going to open it up to questions if you have them for our panelists, and we'll, um, we'll pass around the mic. So be, be thinking about those. But I want to take a minute to um, you know, talk about ways that we might look to improve or streamline the process. Because I do, you know, it, we've, we've been a little bit tongue-in-cheek here, but I think the, the FedRAMP program <laughs> office has tried to improve things constantly over the last decade plus. And, and there have been a lot of really important initiatives to both scale it and streamline the process. Some of them worked, some of them needed course corrections. But in that, you know, in that spirit of constructive criticism, if you could set FedRAMP policy, what change would you want to make to make the process work better for, for agencies and, and industry alike? Can I go first? Well, you can go first. Then yeah, then we want to leverage AI for package review. Oh, AI. AI for package review. Okay. Um, so yes, I, I mean, all joking aside, um, the PMO has a tough job to do. And, you know, when, when we talk about JAB packages, we're talking about accrediting enterprise-wide, government-wide solutions. That, that's what the JAB takes on. And when things go before the program management office from, you know, previously being assessed by an agency and moving over, they're sort of taking on that same approach and same role where they're now trying to confirm that the agency did a good job, <laughs> that they didn't pencil whip it or, or didn't tailor it so much that it's not gonna work for every other agency. So I do think they have a tough job. In, in terms of the website, it's definitely a huge improvement and I think the information flows better. Uh, since Brian's come on board, we've, we've got a lot better communication They've added a blog, they've got newsletters, there's the PMO newsletter. I think that the interaction with the three PAOs is much better, but I'm gonna stop there. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, if I could wave my magic wand and have it the way I would want it, I would eliminate the need to have a FedRAMP sponsor to get into the marketplace because, <laughs> um, because at the end of the day, like, yes, there's the FedRAMP ready option, um, but, you know, then you're still looking at, well, now I got to go through the full assessment and then I got to go through three months of wait time for the PMO to review my package. And then I got to go through another probably two to three months for the agency to review my package. So like for them to be able, for CSPs to be able to go through the process and have a 3PAO attest to the fact that they're meeting all the FedRAMP requirements. So then at that point, an agency can come in and say, ah, oh, 
well, they're FedRAMP compliant mm -hmm. and, uh, and you know, they're in the marketplace. A 3PAO has attested to this fact. So now all I have to do is review their package and voila, I'm done. Um, I think that would be phenomenal. They, at the beginning of the, um, of, you know, FedRAMP, um, they had a CSP supplied option. Mm -hmm. And I asked them why they took that away and they said it was a resource issue. But the, the PMO really doesn't need to be involved. Mm -hmm. um, it would be on the 3PAO to attest to that, similar as the way it is for mm -hmm. FedRAMP. Um, and so I really, if I could wave my magic wand, that okay. would be the one thing so. I, would, I would eliminate. I think it would really open up a lot of opportunity for cloud service providers to be able to market their services to the federal government. And I mean, I'm excited to hear that state ramp is going to be talking to you guys next because that's really what they're doing i mean you don't need a state sponsor to get listed in the state ramp um, marketplace and the the rapid nature by which you're seeing services um, you know get into the marketplace is way faster than fed ramp um, and and that's why um, so okay. yeah, All right, Matt, i don't know how you're going to top fed ramp super duper really ready but we give it a shot <laughs> AI and machine learning will just <laughs> do it all for us. Um, honestly, so one of the questions that they had posed for us, and we kind of all, the three of us went, what the heck are they asking? And they were like, we want more agile processes from the FedRAMP side. And we were like, that's great, well, but why does it matter how we're treating the artifact capture, the writing, all of those pieces internally? Because we're still gonna drop the waterfall of documents on you at the end. You're not gonna accept those any sooner on the way through. But I think one of the things they were trying to get at there is they finally have started to admit and realize that a SaaS can inherit from another SaaS. And where I want to see them go next is, right, people like Stack Armor who have right, a set of code that comes in and sets up a baseline and gets it good, that if that code is the same of five other programs they've already approved, and we can just run an SBOM or a hash that says, hey, everything's the same and nothing has changed, well, those controls are good, mm -hmm. right? And being able to continually accelerate either inheriting from another SaaS and taking those controls and just being like, they do identity and access management. You already proved it for these five agencies. This other SaaS provider, CSP, is going to inherit those same things. That's great. Or from a code level within, I think that would mm -hmm. right, make things so much faster and easier. Thanks for listening. And thank you to our speakers, Martin Rieger, Karen Lawton, Matt Topper, and Troy Schneider. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe to Caracast, and be sure to listen to our other discussions. If you'd like more information on how Kerasoft can assist your organization, please visit www.kerasoft.com or email us at redramp at Thanks again for listening, and have a great day.